churches. Mothers are developers of personalities, molder of vocabularies, shapers of attitudes. Mothers are the soft voice that says, I love you. Mothers are a child's first impression of God's love. Mothers are the things, are all these things, and so much, much more. Irma Bombeck tells about God and the act of creating mothers, and she says it this way. She says that on the day God created mothers, he had already worked long hours, and an angel said to him, God, you are spending a lot of time on this creation. God turned to her, to him, and said, have you read the specs of this model? She is supposed to be completely washable, but not plastic. She is to have 180 moving parts, all of them replaceable. She is to have a kiss that will heal everything from a broken leg to a broken heart. She is to have a lap that will disappear when she stands up. She is able to function on a cold black coffee and leftovers. She's supposed to have six pairs of hands. Six pairs of hands, said the angel. That's impossible. It's not the six pair of hands that bother me, said God. It's the three pairs of eyes. She's supposed to have one pair that sees through closed doors, that whenever she says, what are you doing in there, kids? She already knows what they're doing. She has another pair in the back of her head to see all the things that she's not supposed to see, but must see. And then she's got one pair right in the front that she can look at a child that just goofed and communicate love and understanding without even saying a word. That's too much, said the angel. You can't put that much into one model. Why don't you rest a while and resume your creating tomorrow? No, I can't, said God. I'm close to creating someone very special like myself. I've already come up with a model who can heal herself when she is sick, who can feed a family of six on one pound of hamburger, and who can persuade a nine-year-old to take a shower. Then the angel looked at the model of motherhood a little more closely and said, She's too soft, God. Oh, but she is so tough, God said. You'd be surprised how much this mother can do. Can she think, asked the angel. Not only can she think, said God, but she can reason and compromise and persuade. Then the angel reached over and touched her cheek, and she said, God, this one has a leak. I told you that you couldn't put that much into one model. That's not a leak, God said. That's a tear. What's a tear for, asked the angel. Well, it's for joy, for sadness, for sorrow, for disappointment, for pride. You're a genius, said the angel. And God said, oh, but I didn't put it there. Oftentimes in the Bible when we're talking about mothers, and especially on Mother's Day, we tend to hear messages about Mother, the Mary of Jesus, the mother of Jesus, or we hear about Proverbs 31, the wife of noble character. Or maybe it's about Ruth or Naomi. But this morning I want to look at another mother who deeply loved her sons. And maybe with what Irma Bombeck and Mary Bess and Alan Levine has written about mothers in mind, about what a mother is, we might be able to understand better this mother that's in Scripture. We know her as Mrs. Zebedee, James and John's mother. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 20. 
Matthew chapter 20. It'll be on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 20. Starting in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. Mrs. Zebedee was aware of the teachings of Jesus and about his kingdom. She was very aware that the fact that her sons, James and John, were very close to him. In fact, they were two-thirds of that inner circle that were with Jesus. There was Peter, there was James, and there was John. So she was certain that Jesus, when he formed his kingdom, that they would have positions of responsibility and authority. But in the first part of Matthew chapter 20, Jesus tells a story that must have disturbed her a lot. It's a story of the landowner who goes out and finds laborers early in the morning and they agreed on a fair day's wage and they start working. Then at noon he goes out and he finds some more and they start working. Then towards evening he goes out and he finds more and they start working. Yet when the landowner paid them off at the end of the day, they all received the same wage. It must have caused Miss Zebedee to wonder a bit. Will my sons really have positions of authority in God's kingdom? And so when the opportunity presented itself, she comes to Jesus. Matthew says that she kneeled down before him and asked a favor. Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And yes, we might want to criticize Mrs. Zebedee this morning for her boldness. But since today is Mother's Day, maybe we ought to think for a few moments some positive things about Mrs. Zebedee. For we need to recognize that when she came to Jesus, while Jesus didn't grant her request, neither did he deny it. He simply reminded her of the cost of being seated at the right or the left and told her that it is my father who determines who's going to be seated where. And here in these verses that we read a few few moments ago, we see three things that Mrs. Zebedee did that I think we all this morning can learn from. The first thing we see is that she prayed that her sons might be a part of the kingdom. Now, what are some of the good things about Mrs. Zebedee? First of all, she comes to the Lord praying that her sons might be part of the kingdom. I can think of no more important task of motherhood than to seek to endure that our children are a part of the kingdom of God. I know that many mothers pray. Sometimes they pray out of necessity. Sometimes they pray uh, because motherhood is not easy, and but extremely difficult with all the pressures that they face today. Sometimes mother pray out of frustration. I was at Chick-fil-A this week, and 
I like Chick-fil-A and I overheard a mother say to her daughter, when you're playing in the play area, make sure you watch your brother. He was a little bit younger than she was and they go off into the play area there at Chick-fil-A and they're playing just fine together and they're climbing and they're doing all the things in there and all of a sudden the little brother falls to the ground and he hits the padded floor that Chick-fil-A has there on their floor and the mother rushes into the area and sees her son lying on the floor and of course at this point everybody at Chick-fil-A is looking into the play area to see what's going on. And as people were watching the little boy, I noticed the little girl standing over to the side, a little quiet. And the mother had picked up her son and is cuddling him and bringing him back, and the sister is coming back behind her of where they had been seated. After everything was all right and he had calmed down, I again overheard their conversation. And the mother said, Bella, I told you to watch him while you were playing. And Bella answered her mother quickly and said, I did, Mommy. I watched him. I watched him fall and I watched him cry. I watched him until you came to his rescue, Mommy. I did exactly what you wanted me to do. And with that remark, the mother quickly gathered up all their stuff and they left out of the restaurant as fast as they could. I sat there almost laughing, just like you did, with the answer that little girl had given. For being a parent is not easy. For sometimes parents are filled with joy and sometimes with sadness. Sometimes the children make us proud and then and you want to post it all over social media, and other times you can't find enough Kleenex to dry your sad tears. It's like the mother with three active children who was once asked, if you had to do it all over again, would you have children? Oh, yes, I would, she replied, but not the same ones. <laughs> but many of us know that being a parent is not easy. It is difficult, but Mrs. Zebedee gives us a valuable example this morning because she prayed earnestly that her sons would be a part of the kingdom. For we today need to have that same concern for our children, no matter what their age is. What good is it if our children are successful in every area of life, but they don't know Jesus Christ? Luke 9 says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and in himself is destroyed or lost? I hope and pray that in the heart of every mother and father, aunt, uncle, grandparent, friend here this morning, that we would carry such a burden to the throne of God and that we would pray daily for our children, our grandchildren, our nieces and our nephews and to pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them of their unbelief in Jesus so they can have eternal life with the Father. This is a place for some of us this morning to begin. The second thing we can do, we can learn from Mrs. Zebedee, is that she prayed that her sons would be actively involved in the work of the kingdom. 
Not only did she pray that her sons would be a part of the kingdom, but she prayed that they would be actively involved in the work of the kingdom. Churches are full of people today content to just sit on a pew on Sunday morning. For there are people, there are plenty of people willing to sit back and receive the blessings, and we don't see them until Sunday the next week or the next event. And seldom do people get involved in doing any of the real work at church. It's the 80-20 rule that started back in 1896 where it says 80% of the work of the church is done by 20% of the people. But where does the spirit of service begin? I ask this morning. I will even give the answer. It begins in the home with moms and dads setting the example and praying that their sons and their daughters might be involved in the work of the kingdom as teachers, as groundkeepers, as leaders, those discipling others that they might go out in the world and seek the lost so the church can continue until Jesus comes. It thrills my heart every first Sunday of the month where our children take part as greeters, as ushers, as people who sit on Papa's lap to help play guitar. To help in any way they can. I remember as a kid serving when people weren't able to do their yard work anymore. Mom would pile us up in the car to go to the Washington's house. We used to call them Grandma and Grandpa Washington. And we'd pile all the rakes in the car and the shovels and everything that we needed to go to their house to clean up their yard because they weren't able to. Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And since we are to be Christ's likeness, we too are to be serving others. Right now, we have a couple in our church who has been faithful in this church for over 50 years. How many people have gone to see them? We know who it is. I don't even need to give a name. How many people have gone to see them? Serving them. We need to go serve them. Don't just say, we've prayed. We need a visit. We really do, church, if we're going to be the church of Christ. Pastor, I'm too busy. Pastor, I don't like busy. You know what? We need to visit. One of the greatest earthly examples that I have had in my life as someone who serves the people of God is my Uncle Bill. And I don't say that because he's here this morning. It's already here. My Uncle Bill has been in the Church of the Nazarene as long as I can remember and way before. Anytime someone ever needed something, be it a toilet unplugged, a lawn mowed, or something, my uncle was always there. Where did I learn it from? Older people in the church, in my family, that we must be servants in the kingdom. Mrs. Zebedee prayed that her children be actively involved in the work of his kingdom. 
And we must walk in those footsteps as well today, church. Thirdly, thing that we see, Mrs. Zebedee had big expectations. I've read that when you're working in the kingdom, there are no higher positions than those on the left and to the right of the king himself. And that is exactly what Mrs. Zebedee wanted for her her two sons. She didn't pray that they would be doorkeepers with the king. She wanted them on the right-hand side and on the left-hand side of the king of kings and lord of lords. We could say that Mrs. Zebedee might have been a bit pushy to come and bow and ask Jesus what she asked of him, but we must admire her boldness this morning. For way too often some people have settled for mediocrity today in the church of Jesus. For too long, some people have been content with just barely making it to the door on Sunday mornings. And I hear it from time to time. Pastor, as long as I just make it barely to heaven, I'll be okay. No. Far too long, there's been people who have been content to sit back in churches and let others work to make things happen. Church, it is time for all of us to take our positions on the right and on the left of Jesus to become godly leaders that God desires to make sure that the message of Jesus goes into all the world. It's time we get off the sidelines and we get into the game, church. It's time to strive for excellence, to reach for the very best there is in our children, our grandchildren, in ourselves, in the church and the world in which we live in. God has called each and every one of us to be his disciples, to be effective laborers in the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. And then over in John chapter 4, Jesus says, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Do you remember what Irma Bombeck said as she wrote about when God created mothers? God was saying an angel as he was creating the mother, I am close to creating something very like myself. I suppose that's why today is special, because we recognize that a mother's love is the closest example to God's love. It's a love that goes through the valley of the shadow of death to bring life into being. It is a love that sacrifices itself over and over again. And what mother would choose, if necessary, to lay down their lives for their children? Have you heard the story of Solomon Rosenberg? Solomon Rosenberg and his wife had two sons. And his mother and father were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. It was a labor camp and the rules were simple. As long as you can work, you will live. When you become too weak to do your work, we will kill you. Solomon Rosenberg watched his mother and father march off to their death. And he knew his next, he would watch, would be his next son, David. Because David had already always been that frail child. And every evening Solomon would come back into the barracks after hours of labor and he searched for his family. 
And when he found them, they would huddle together and they would embrace one another. And they would thank God for another day of life. One day Solomon came back and didn't see those familiar faces. He finally discovered his oldest son, Joshua, in the corner, huddled, weeping, and praying out to God. He said, Josh, tell me it's not true. Joshua turned and said, it's true, Papa. It's true. Today, David was not strong enough to do the work. So they came for him, Papa. But where is your mother? Asked Solomon. Oh, Papa, he said. When they came for David, he was so afraid and he cried, Mama, Mama. And Mama said, David, there's nothing to be afraid of. And she took his hand and walked with him to their death. That's motherhood. Mothers, this is your day. This is your day. May God bless each and every one of you this morning.